0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing this week? Uh, Doing good. We're we're here. I think everybody's healthy. We just got
1: some more snow, so lots of shoveling.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think we all have been healthy now, which is really
0: nice. So yesterday, I took part in a -a jackalope jump. Are you guys familiar with this?
2: No. I am, but maybe you should explain it anyways.
0: So a jackalope jump is a mini version of a polar bear leap. Instead of going out to a frozen lake and jumping in, uh, it's usually set up for something like Special Olympics.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: we encourage these, these Special Olympic athletes to jump into a cold pool that was set up the night before. So my fire department has always hosted this jackalope jump, or at least as long as I've been a part of it. And usually when I'm when it comes around, I'm either at work or out of town. Well, this year I had no excuse. <laughs> so <laughs> yesterday I went up to the fire department. We had, we got the, the pool set up the night before and I went up there and I tell you what, the water was warmer than the air temperature, <laughs> which isn't saying much. Ooh. <laughs> I think the, the water temperature was right around 38 degrees and the air temperature was like 23 degrees. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. So we all took turns. I think there was over 100 people who jumped in the pool. So every one of us took turns jumping in and getting out as fast as we could. I tell you, I did not warm up until late last night when I was buried under blankets. And I was still I just felt this constant edge of chill. Like my feet were cold all day long. I text one of the guys last night about 10 o'clock. I'm like, dude, this is bullshit. I'm still cold. He goes, yeah, I just took a scalding hot shower and I'm finally starting to warm up. You ever have to take an ice bath? Uh, no, it's interesting that Ooh. you mentioned ice baths um, That's because Sharia has talked quite a bit about ice baths. So there is there is some, some study, and I, I use the word study very loosely here, about COVID long haulers and the effects hmm. of ice baths on COVID long haulers and how they're seeing some interesting results. Because it's kind of like a reset for your system. And okay. So there's been a lot of talk about ice bath. Like Sheree actually considering getting a metal tub and setting it up out back. So she's not don't have to. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to dodge dog shit anymore. So she's Aww. thought about setting up a pool out back and and trying to do ice baths for a little bit and see how that works for. Her. And I don't know. We were talking about it yesterday, last night. And I was like, I just I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I I mean, I think the the want, not necessarily the desire, is there, because I feel like that's two different things. But yeah, I want to do it, but I don't know if I really desire it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I'm not sure what we're gonna do if she's actually going to go through with this, but maybe we'll see.
2: <laughs> Sounds. <funny. laughs> no one's like no. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've only I've done one, and it was like yeah here. You know, you've got a lot of muscle strain. This will just take care of it. And it was like being punched in every single part of my body at the same time.
0: I have never like when I got out of that pool yesterday. Um, I ran around this the back of the pool to get my shoes on because our parking lot was just covered in ice and snow. Right? Because it had snowed like three or four inches. Hey, three hundred seven RPG fans. Not really sure what just happened, but apparently we lost our recording and. We got it back a little bit later, so I'm just going to kind of insert this and bring it back in here in just a second. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started? Because we are going to be looking at continuing our look at Tolis, uh, Cook's City by the Spire. We've done a couple of episodes on this now, kind of going over some of the chapters. And the reason we're taking so long is that this is a massive, massive book, so don't Don't think that you could just sit down and peruse this book quickly because there's so much in here that it's going to take some time to go through it. We've already covered the first four chapters. We're looking at chapter, essentially, five, six, and seven. However, Zach, what were you saying about chapter five? You felt like this was more of a GM chapter than anything?
2: Uh, Chapter five, it's just the history of like the empire that kind of uh, has sovereignty over Tolis. It might be something that your players know, but it's also just not really relevant it's also kind of boring to try and explain the history of a world like we don't know the interesting things it's just the bare bone facts of like this is how their government works this is their church like do you know how ancient rome works You know how Tolas work or the, uh, you know, how the empire works. So I think we can just skip that one. Yeah. And it does say GMs
0: will want to become familiar with this information because it's rife with possible adventure hooks. And I do think it is, uh, but it does go in a lot of detail, a lot of timelines. And uh, unfortunately for me, I was, I I thought we were covering chapter six and seven. So I completely skipped this chapter. Nolan, did you give this chapter a look through?
1: I did. And, And honestly, from this point on, there's nothing in here for your players that they need. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the rest of it you get the player's guide. It gives you the basics and there might be a few things in here with the organizations, but, um, you know, it's going to be very character specific. There isn't anything at this point in the book that, you know, the Hobbit goes, the Hobbit takes the the ring to Mordor and has no idea about the world around him until he experiences it. Right. So they can learn that stuff as they go. Um, and I think that's where a lot of this timeline stuff comes in. Uh, you are dealing with some ancient beings, some old evils, uh, but you know, balrog shows up and everybody's scared of it because it's a fire demon Gandalf's scared of it because he knows what it truly is and so those are you know you might have a character that makes that history check that you might need or you know something along those lines um and i think part of that too of just having some of these ancient things there are some some of those hidden magical items there are things that could come into the world and you could build around these, uh, very easily of an exploration or an ancient relic, or, uh, this is something from this era. If you want your players to, uh, you know, care about a, a timeline event or something like, well, this is why
0: this is sacred or this is why it's important. So, yeah. Kind of like the, the Hobbit and Gandalf finding the swords from a different age.
1: Yeah. For most people it's going to be, oh, cool. That's a neat stick. And for a few of them, that's going to be like, uh, this is a big deal. Like you shouldn't have this or, or the Plantear stones, or there's something more to us. It's from an age, but for the most part, it's really going to be for the people that really want to dive into it. Uh, the Lord of the Rings is a great movie and you can enjoy it. But if you decide to hop into the entire world, it's, it's a small fraction of everything that's there. And, and this yeah. world is designed that way as well. I think the very first timeline is like 10,000 years before the empire. So it's, it's, a lot of history, a lot of things have happened in the formation to get where we are. Most of it is not, you know, you know, Grog the Barbarian is just gonna, cool, let's fight something. And that's okay too.
0: So let's jump ahead to chapter six, because this is a massive chapter. There's nothing small about chapter six. And this is where we start dealing with some of the organizations within Tolis. And We also deal with the noble houses the this minor organizations and so on and so forth and one of the things that struck me before i even would go into detail about this was was just how well this is organized how how well it's laid out and how Like if you are a GM and and I do think like Nolan just said, a lot of what we're going to be talking about now is going to be more GM related than it is player related, but it could be like if you're doing some background research on your player and you want to say, well, I'm part of a crime family. I kind of like that idea. Is there a a crime family in Tolis that, that I could like be like, okay, you're an initiate. You have to go do this stuff to prove yourself first. Well, yeah, there is actually, and we can get into that. Having just read the, um, the book, the lies of Locke Lamora, uh, one of the things that struck me is like they talked about some of the criminal families in Tolis and how everybody knows they're there. But nobody like the, the, the law and stuff doesn't seem to want to break them up. And that's because we have ancient agreements that we're dealing with. Right. And, and so when I was reading Liza lock Lamore, that's literally how it goes. It's like, yes, we know that there is a, a crime family. We know that there is an organized crime yeah. situation going on. And there's little gangs that are all ruled by this one underboss. Right. And that underboss has an agreement with the noble class. Don't fuck with the nobles and we'll leave you alone. And so I got that I got that feeling from this and I thought it was I thought it was I actually really enjoyed this chapter. I thought it was really neat, but it is so GM specific.
2: It is it's it's very well designed, very well laid out. There's always I mean this is more book specific, but there's always the information like as it is right there in the center of the page, but they've left enough room on the wings for them to apply supplemental information. Sometimes information that's out of the world like, hey, here's what you can use to uh influence your players and then here's where you should go if you want more information page whatever uh like i'm just right Yeah, the amount of work that went into this book is staggering since it's, you know, 800 pages long, but the individual work on every single page is also quite striking.
0: I I love the sidebars. Mm -hmm. The sidebars are so great. They're so rich with information or saying, okay, you want to know about uh, check out Palestine page 44. Check out the Kingstone on page 93, you know, things like that. Uh, And the Kingstone is so, so Important to to toll is that you probably should go check it as the DM go check it out and find out who was killed and body thrown on the kingstone to try to desecrate it but no their soul went in it instead. Yeah. you know those kind of things and you can learn about that stuff but it's more it is very gm specific so let's let's dive into the noble houses uh because there's a bunch of them there's a ton There's a ton, and of course it's all laid out alphabetical we've talked about the layout we've talked about the design and the sidebars and stuff so let's let's actually talk about the the i don't want to go into a lot of detail because that's just going to get boring but let's do talk about some of the noble houses. What were your guys' thoughts on the overall houses?
1: I like the, uh, again, the the connection and the webs uh, are uh, very important. And I think reading this here, it really did make me realize that. And I felt we got a little bit of that when we played Waterdeep. Um, but this here is, it again, cranked up to 11. Um, if you're having a city campaign, people for the most part, have their cities laid out the way they want them as far as there's this uneasy balance of power and structure amongst organizations so that everybody gets along and everybody gets a little bit. And you kind of touched on a little bit of, you know, if the noble houses don't have to worry about the lower city because it's ran by so-and-so and they're okay with what he's doing because they leave him alone. It's just another form of control and everything throughout this really just screams of the rivalries are, are fairly okay rivalries, but it is very political. Uh, the, the allies are usually something that has been around for a while. Um, but again, if you're a fresh adventurer and you roll into this place and you do something that gets on the watch list of one, you've probably upset three or four. And if you start to rise to power, you may even make the, the noble good aligned houses upset as well, because you're taking a piece of the pie. And so that the intrigue in a lot of this was really interesting to me. Anyway,
2: that- first, I just, I want to say that there's a, a fallen house called the Abercombie. And I swear to God, what happened there was uh Monty cook was like, Oh, have any houses fallen? Oh yeah. Tons. There was one like 500 years ago. And his players were like, what, what was their name? And he mind blanked and was like, uh, a- a- Amber Crombie, and somebody like somebody was Amber wearing Crombie? a
0: Crombie, and, somebody was wearing an Amber Crombie and Vich T-shirt, and he's like, Amber exactly,
2: Crombie. <laughs> uh, 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 Amber Crombie, and it's like, oh, okay, sure, sure, Monty. I think there's a, probably I, one
1: of his players that made that up, right? Like, oh, you're from a fallen house on huh? what's the name of it?
2: Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Ab- all Ab- right, Amber Ab- Crombie. Yeah, I think Tolus is a world of adventure, so these things don't need to be realistic; they just need to be believable. And I think it's believable that you can have, you know, 12 oligarchical families which have just maintained control, not as a product of their uh, rivalries, because I don't think there is really rivalries. Like, this is, even those who don't like each other have kind of agreed that if we just, like, leave things the way they are and take care of any upstarts, will all be in charge of the of the city. And so I think it's I think it's a believable thing of you have all these oligarchs, you have these aristoc- like this aristocracy. It all makes sense, right? Like, oh okay, you need someone that's like this is someone that the players can't fight. Right? Like, okay, you're gonna track down, you know, menon the crime boss and kill him. It's like, oh okay. He's got two daughters. Now they're in charge. You know, you, uh, uh, what was their name? I've already forgotten, uh, the leader of the house of, uh, Dalamothan, but like, what happens if you go and kill them? What happens if you can prove, or you, Lord Hurstall, what if you prove that he's, you know, had his, uh, hand in the cookie jar and that he's been stealing like from the city
0: for, for thousands of years because he's actually a dragon.
2: Because he's actually a dragon, right? Like what if you prove that and you go and fight him? It doesn't matter. Right? The next person just takes over. And so I think it's a nice thing to have in the city that you can't fight, that you just have to deal with.
0: Right. Right. And, 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 and
2: I, the you... the DM can give that and be like, look, guys, like you can't you can't just brute force your way through these people, but they're there to be manipulated if you can do so.
0: Yeah. And 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 it's interesting that you say that though, Zach, because And again, I go back to having just read The Lies of Locke Lamora. It's very much that situation where you have one person who is very angry at the underboss, the Capo, Capo Basavi, and he creates this elaborate plan to remove that family completely up to and including killing the children and becoming the new capo underboss and it's one of those things where i don't think you could do it at that level but when we look at some of the minor organizations if somebody really wanted to get in depth and you had this campaign that's what i love reading fantasy novels because sometimes especially as a dnd player or as a role-playing player in general you can read these books and go oh yeah this was somebody's like three-year-long campaign <laughs> and, and just ah. see it. Like, I know there's that meme about how Lord of the Rings is actually a DD game where the Gandalf character just keeps coming and going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's as I was reading through this, that's the feeling I got was like, yeah, you have those houses that you're probably not going to touch. You may be able to disrupt them and cause them some strife but you're not going to touch them. And when you look at things like house Delamothan and like, like I love the section on the other members of house Delamothan. It's like, yeah, great aunt Claren is actually an ancient silver dragon. Yeah. So you piss off, you piss off. Maybe you fucked with one of her kids. And next thing you know, you have an ancient silver dragon trying to kill you. (laughs) You know, you're not really going to do anything, but you can cause them some strife and some issues. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. I also think that's
1: where, if you read you know you read those books and you or you have those good tales it's usually that chaos of something major that's not supposed to happen that leads to the epic story right yes uh, the, the very opening part of uh, pathfinder uh, the second game uh, a demons uh, show up and the ancient silver dragon transforms to fight and the leader of the demons decapitates it and everybody's like oh oh shit like like That's not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? It really like, this is the tone of like, okay, we are under siege from demons and our best, you know, there's nobody left. You know, I mean, it's, it's the Avengers are gone. Who's next up, you know, type situation. Or again, like that there, uh, this isn't supposed to happen. This guy runs the streets. And it, the third or fourth house in baranzen wipes out, you know, the number one seed, there's this power vacuum or one of the shadow magics went wrong and it wiped out an entire house. I mean, those are the things that make those stories really good because it's like, you know, White House Down is one of those things of it's a, it's a fun ride of an action thing, right? Because that doesn't happen that's what makes it a weird or crazy or ridiculous story. And so I think those are these here, each one of these, like you could grab one of them and, and build an entire campaign about the fact that maybe you were manipulated to help, but they finally have the pieces they need. There's an ancient piece of something from the timetable that they're ready to tip the scales and the future of TOLUS is going to be forever different because of this moment. Uh, and and they talk about, I think like anybody above 10th level is, is kind of a person of importance or influence or power. and And there are opportunities there that, people will probably seek you out at some point. Right. You've gotten far enough that you can't you can't just be left alone to keep doing what you're doing. You need to be under somebody's wing or control. So I, I, there are a lot of like really neat houses where you probably wouldn't see half of these in a campaign. You might briefly mention them. You might meet some of their members. But for the most part, you could, you could grab two of them and have an entire campaign. And by the end of it, maybe your crew is, you know, the replacement of this one and everybody's like, okay, you know, you now have the end, the tavern. And uh, when we come calling, you're one of us, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe you don't join the full, like the, the bigger houses. Cause although, so I was thinking about how uh, Katru, K H A T R U Katru, um, like this is a very militant order, right? And like the leader of this is usually the leader of the Order of Iron Might, and and this is I thought it was interesting. Like, uh, what if like if you're a level ten character and, and you're a fighter, you you more than likely you know you've developed this character enough that you have some skills as a fighter, and it could have attracted the 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 attention of the order of iron might. And next thing you know, you become a, a minor player in this army of, of the fan the house catcher. And yeah, just like you said, Nolan. one, I mean, <clears throat> eventually you're going to get noticed and eventually the house may come calling and say, hmm, we'd like to talk to you. So I think it's important that the DM, the GM, whatever you want to call it, knows these houses and knows how these things work, because that could add just another level of intrigue or interesting uh, point to your campaigns.
1: And I think when you have those higher, uh, you know, like wheel of time, right? You don't know that you met somebody from the noble house and there's some sort of connection there, or you like friends and all of a sudden- yeah, by the way, my mom's the queen of, or the leader of this, or, you know, it happens to be so-and-so and you're like, oh crap, what did we do? You know, like, you know, you didn't mean to get involved because you don't know who you're dealing with. So yeah,
0: you didn't realize that Tom Maryland actually had an affair with the queen. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. I'm, I'm still like, I, 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 I love the fact that I'm rereading Eye of the World right now after 30 years and it still holds up it's still a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that that was a segue. Let's get back on
1: topic. <laughs> Damn it, Nolan. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it is though. I mean, if you, if you have those things, these here are a lot of opportunities for some randomness and craziness. These things are going around or going on around your players. And for the most part, early on, you're probably going to not catch their eye because there's adventures every single day, but eventually, uh, eventually somebody will take notice of your characters. If they get to a certain point or a certain level, good or bad, uh, it it will be handy to have a couple of these in your back pocket to pull out. And this is laid out really well. The hierarchies are there. Uh, you get a lot of good stats on these people and a lot of them, I mean, they got there for a reason. I mean, many of the people of these houses are arch mages, um, several, several laundry lists of magical items that they've obtained over time. Uh, And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the power, like, oh, you think you're strong. You're not this kind of strong
0: yet. It's interesting. Like I love that there's a table where it talks about the house rivalries and alliances. Right. And that's, again, something that a GM can look at and say, okay, you guys have caught the eye of house Nagel. Well, you didn't realize it now that you have favor with house Nagel house Seder is kind of irritated with you. And maybe they had their eye on you first. And, they feel like they've been, you know, cut under by House Nagel. And, and a DM can totally use that to push a story along. Maybe it's just a minor sub, you know, segue of, of a side story because a couple people could show up and you still want to play. So you do this little minor thing and then bring everybody back together. But there's really and that's what I love about this kind of stuff is like it you're able to look at this and go, OK, House Shaver allies are Kachur and Shoal enemies are Vladim. How do I make that work? And what can I do to, to help this story along kind of thing.
1: And I think having,
0: uh,
1: again, building your own allies of these, you know, I think will help. Cause there are times where there is something going on that you're going to need, you know, investigating a, a mystery or, and you're going to have to rely on these alliances. So, uh, there's tons of opportunity for players to have. I know you have that section on your character sheet. Very rarely does it get filled out very far in in a lot of stuff because they die or you move on well you're in the city and you're going to be in the city
2: there's nowhere else to go
1: yep so making those connections um and again uh like i said I, i think we had played through some of that in Waterdeep, uh being a part of the alliances and and i know for me i really enjoyed it and so seeing instead of four or five there's 50 pages of yeah. Uh, of organizations here.
0: See, and that's what got me about Waterdeep. Waterdeep, I think Waterdeep wanted to be this book. I really do. I think Waterdeep, and I think and I think that's where D&D should probably go back and say, we really should create, and I know they've done it for other editions. Let's create source books, not just books that are stories. Let's create a source book. Here is the book of Waterdeep. Let's get into it. Let's dig deep into this, this massive city that a DM can grab and look at and just create a whole story around it. And I think Tolis sets the example that wizards of the coast. And we know a lot of the writers who worked on this book have worked for, or work still do work for wizards of the coast. I wish they would do stuff like that. I would be more interested in grabbing a book on Minzo barons on or Waterdeep than grabbing the next, whatever storyline book. Yeah. Um, the and pole stories. Yeah. Where it feels like they just kind of throw it all together real quick. And, and, I mean, we've been critical of D and D books before, but I think they could do something really cool with something like this. And maybe at the end, there is a little okay. Here's Waterdeep. Here's you know 200 pages on Waterdeep. Here's a small story that you can kick off your adventures in Waterdeep with. I mean, they do that with Adventure League, and we found the Adventure League stories to be a lot more fun than some of the main storylines that they've created. And I think, gosh, I, I really think Tolus is a shining example of what a city book should be.
2: In fact. I, I don't want to do spoilers for anyone who hasn't played through um, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but also, also you shouldn't. I think like some of the pitfalls for uh, Dragon Heist were that it's, they wanted to have this huge sandbox of places that you can go in Waterdeep, and then the story—I'm doing air quotes here—the story required certain events to happen— And their method of getting you to those points were insane. Like, it's not a very well-written book. And I think they should do something that, like, Tolis has done instead, where there is no story here, but they've already done all the work for you. Like, if you wanted to, as the DM, you could be like, Hey, guys, here's my pitch. You are defeated mercenaries. You have to get out of town. Someone will pay for your way to get to Tolis, but then you're 10,000 gold in debt and the guy you're in debt to is not nice, you need to yeah. find someone who will purchase your debt that you can pay off, and then you can pay it off slowly. And
0: they're probably and that, not going to be nice either, but not as not nice.
2: They're like, this guy's going to cut off your fingers every, like, every week until you've paid the whole thing, but if you can get someone to buy that debt, you can pay it off slowly, and it's just be like, find someone. Find someone who's rich enough to pay your debt. Well, you as the DM, you can pitch that, and you don't have to do any more work. You just have to wait for them to ask one who's rich, and then you tell them, well, there's the noble houses. Then they ask about the noble houses that you already have stats for. And then it doesn't matter who they go to. You already know everything about them. Because Tolus has already done the work for that kind of campaign yeah. for you. Like, you can, you can really just throw your players into the city and wait and see what they decide to do and know for a fact that they've already written up where they can go. You don't have to create a magic item shop. You don't have to create a bunch of noble houses and their families and their rivalries. It's all here for you. And I think that's the biggest thing for this kind of sandbox experience is that the DM doesn't have... Like, that's so much work for a DM. It's so much work to make a city. They've done it.
0: Well, and I know there's, there's world building books out there, right? There's books on how to build your world. And, and, and I, and I think they're great. I have no, nothing against those books at all. And I think they're a valuable tool for anybody who's trying to create a world of, of, of role-playing, especially in the, in the D and D style setting. However, that being said, I think with what the crew that at Monty Cook's games has done with TOLUS, if you are a game designer, if you are someone who maybe you're I don't care if you're aspiring or an experienced game designer. This is probably a book that you should have on your shelf. I, I know when I was working in newspaper, the way the way that they encourage you to get better is read, read a lot, read everything, you know, read all the articles you can read the award winning articles, read the bad articles, read everything, because that will help you improve. If you're a game designer and you're a world designer, this is a book that you need to read because this is how this is a great example of it being done right and I, I think it's incredible. I know it's got $150 price tag. I get it. But this is one of those books that it probably, if you're a designer of any sort, you probably should have it on your shelf. And it's something you should look at from the way that it's written from, for the most part, at least from what I've seen, it's been error free. I don't know if you guys have noticed any spelling errors or anything. I usually notice those things.
2: Sometimes I do. I I haven't seen any so far. Yeah. So it's been it is edited well. It is yep.
0: laid out well. Uh, Nolan, you have to. Sp- we'll have to have you speak to the quality of the actual book itself. But I think everything about this is a shining example of what you want your book to be. And this is a great tool to have as a designer, just to see how it's done right. I think as you play
1: through a game too, um, I think. I would be curious to see what it was when it started to what it was when it ended. And mm-hmm. I, I always imagine my world building when I'm trying to tell a tale is kind of like that circle spiral that starts a little small. And then as my players branch out, it, it kind of goes out. Well, usually it kind of gets a little bit bigger and then everybody's like moved on, right? And it just kind of takes a little off to the north and you start another small circle and you don't ever get there. Well, you can't leave Tollus. And so it's one of those things of like...
2: You know, you don't it
1: keeps getting bigger. Okay. Well, we're going to go three blocks extra this way. And, you know, monty has got to be like, okay, well, you've moved into. I don't necessarily, okay, well, it's the first building on the left. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like you can feel like this is kind of like he had players that were asking, well, what's this building? What's this building? What's this building? So I'm curious to see if it was, if it started as, you know, a little bit and grew into a lot, or if he had a lot in mind from the start.
0: Can you ever. imagine the amount of sticky tabs he has all over his notebook? Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. to add this <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I, like I think you're right, Nolan, like especially if you get into Chapter seven, where it actually talks about the book it's, or the city itself. I mean, we really dive deep into the city at this point and the stuff that's in there like, oh, yeah. And on this corner, you have so and so shop and over here is such and such shop. And, you know, and in between them sits this person's shop. I mean, it is a developed, fully developed city. And it is so, so detailed. Yeah, I think uh, chapter seven kicks off
1: uh, part three of the book, um, which is 250 pages. Uh, And then chapters seven through 18 sit in that part three. And each one is its own individual 20 to 30 pages on each little section of the city. And I think that's the big thing too. Like, again, it's super overwhelming. But when you, when we talk about the little things that we got from Waterdeep, Waterdeep was what, 180 pages. I mean, you know, this thing here is 250 pages of just each quadrant of the city. And, and I think that's the, that's the area of... Getting the cliff notes versus the hyper detail, and I think it'll be different for everybody. Again, you're not going to necessarily need every single one of these. Uh, you may not hit, you know, the fifth and eighth avenues of Old Town ever in your campaign, but knowing it's there, developed and has something that you don't have to scramble for, or make up on the fly is kind of nice. And so, I think it just depends on what you. Uh, enjoy as a gaming table as well maybe you do just that's way too much information and we're never going to use it and we'll just hit the highlight points before we move out to the next city that's fine too but it, it like you said it is a good lesson in world building um mm-hmm. and the detail and even if you cut Tolus in a third um you would still have a pretty detailed in-depth game
2: mm-hmm. so I know that we're talking about the organizations this chapter is 40 pages long and we're 10 pages in yeah like that's how in that's really how in depth this is just the noble houses are that important um and there's so much more
0: there is, yeah, because I mean, beyond the noble houses, we get into like the merchant guilds, we get into guilds. the criminal organizations, we get into the sub stuff, like and the uh, what the order of the inverted pyramid that's made up of a bunch of arcane. Ma- don't fuck with the order of the inverted pyramid, by the way. Just don't do it; no. right. <laughs> <laughs> you'll probably end up at toad or dead or worse. Yeah, and I think
2: we'd mentioned them before. There's the uh, uh, who are my favorite, the Brotherhood of Redemption, where if you've captured a monster. And you're like, it's kind of wrong to just, like, murder this thing, right? It's still a thinking creature, and the, your DM can be like, yeah, if you take it to the Brotherhood of Redemption, they will try and uh, make this Chimera into a tax-paying citizen. And so it's like, all right. Like, there's usually something for you to do here with all of these organizations. Yeah, there's just
1: Yeah, I think, I think if, so there's, if there's a class that you have or if there's something that you want to play, there's probably a group for you, um, I noticed that they they have a group of people dedicated towards technology and the upcoming world. So if you do want to play a gunslinger, you probably have yeah. a group of people to talk to. Um, one of my favorite groups is the the Sisterhood of Silence, which is a group of
0: uh, nuns of crossbows.
1: Yeah, warrior monk ninja nuns, <laughs> and they kind of work as a second uh, second in line defense for the the city watch, and <laughs> just very the yeah, the Sisterhood of Silence. I was. Yeah, nuns with shotguns is all I can think of. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's, I um, don't. There's just a ton here for you to deal with. Some weird ones too, like the fallen, which are young demons who can't like they're not tough enough to actually take a position in hell. So they hang out here and just try to like group together, <laughs> so for a little bit of security. Like if you if you go down the wrong alley, you might find a haven of demons. And maybe they've got work for you, or maybe right. maybe you've stumbled into something that you're not supposed to, and now you got to fight a bunch of demons. They're just,
1: and I think those are the kind of things, too, where we've talked about a player character being uh GM. I mean, there, there's your avenue to being a Tiefling, it comes with strings, though,
2: right? You're, you, you're, you're, your dad you is have in a house, the city, you're to
1: break away, yeah, you're trying to break away from it, you're trying to, you know what I mean, like, I don't want that life, you know, or whatever. So. Yeah. And again, if you want to find a story in here, you want to find an organization. I mean, it's, it's in here. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, uh, v- even when you get into this, usually with, with here, you get the leaders, you get the people that you might run into with it. You get a really quick and dirty stat block of them, uh, what they have on their person at any given time. So for the DMs, you know, you, if your players are foolish enough to try to attack one of these, you know, they're, you know, cause every now and then your players will do something you didn't expect. Um, and it gives you some stat blocks for you to work with too, uh, who they're surrounded by, what they are, um, and that that part I find really handy. Like again, it is one of those I don't necessarily have to jump off of this page and go f- thumbing through it because I've got a quick thing. Okay, perfect. Here's what they got on it. We can go ahead and get started, and I can find more information while we're getting into it.
0: So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I how do we of, lots of organizations. I mean, really, I mean it is. And really, it's an organization like if you if you if you want your care, if you if you if you, wow, I say that a lot. If you want your character to be involved in an organization and you want to know if there is something there more than likely is. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of these things, too, that we get. We we see a little bit in Forgotten Realms,
1: the Harper show up, you know, so we, we see a little of those interactions. I, I just want a lot more like you said, I would like a a good block or a section and some examples of people who are actually in the organization. Uh, and this year really does give it. I mean, you know what it means to be from one of these houses. You know what it means to be from one of these groups. You know, the consequences, you know, who you're working for, um, you know, their personality, you know, I mean, and that, I think that is, is. you know, sometimes it's, they're not evil. They're just running the show right now. You know, it's not they're doing it out of necessity. And you're like, oh, okay, that totally changes their temperament and their mindset. You know, he's not an evil crime lord boss. He's just a really efficient manager of the situation. And so he's going to act completely different than an unhinged, you know, character would for your players.
0: So guys, let's talk about how we move forward at this point, because, uh, you know, we wanted to really dive deep into this book, but we also were very careful about saying that we didn't want to spoil anything that may be GM specific. And we are kind of reaching that point with part three being more GM specific, because that's going to have a lot of maps and things like that, that we obviously don't want players to see. So do we wrap up our view of Tolis here or do you think we should go ahead and take a look at the next week and and do a wrap up then?
1: We should do that. I mean, as you get into this here, there are some uh, again. The, the layout of the city streets is highly detailed. I mean, it's literally block by block. You can figure out what they are. Um, I know that when I did the, kick back, or the the Kickstarter backer, they sent me like their art that they'd use for sketches. So you're like, oh, you're in Old Town. Here's like five buildings that we drew so you can show your players of what the, the theme and the tone of the buildings are. Um, but you do get a lot into this is so-and-so's house. Um, here's a little peninsula and it is, you know, 12 blocks long and on the left and on the right up and down the street there are map key indicators of houses and page references of where if your players walked into this place what they're looking at and it is again super 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 detailed yeah it really is
2: like i said before sandbox campaigns can be really difficult especially even in especially inside a city especially a city this large, but Tolis did all the work for you. It and really did. They've been working on this so, for 20 years. They, they've they had the time to put in all of the effort to make this like a whole city. There's, like, there's very few gaps that I can see.
0: So I am curious, uh, Nolan, you did the Kickstarter, uh, and you did it at a fairly high level. Do you feel like this book delivered?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, it's it, when you have that level of detail, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's the kind of game for everybody. Um, I can, I, I think back through games that I've played DM, the people I'm playing with now and in the past, and you run into people that are just going to devour this and can't get enough. And then you're also going to get people that just want to show up and smash things. Um, and I, I honestly feel like this book has given, both of those, and again, part of it's just being so big. I mean, it is just a massive tome that, if you want to get you know, down and gritty and and super nerdy with the details, it's there. If you want to just a quick adventure, grab a house. They're doing something wrong. Somebody gives you a bunch of money to go knock it out. Somebody's trying to uprise and take over something. Somebody's doing some necromancy. Somebody's poisoning a well. You know, like trying to get to the nobles, guys. I need you to go knock this out for us. And there's somebody here that can that can. Uh, Pay you to do that, and you can go and have those quick adventures. So, but it is—it's just massive. I mean, it—it really is a a giant
0: book. So, if you hadn't backed it, and you were, you know, just perusing the game store, and you came across this, came across because I'd imagine it's because it's the Tolas system. It's not just the one book. You get some other stuff with it, and you saw a price tag of one hundred and fifty dollars. Do you think? you would think it's worth it then so as well and i think part of the reason that i backed it to begin with is i
1: have i have found a lot of the the forgotten realms fifth edition stuff very lacking i i like crunch to a point where nobody gives a rip uh, at any given time you know we can sit at my our table um and somebody can say something like well no actually i'm from this northern hemisphere of such and such and everybody's like "Oh." give a shit, dude. And like, for me, I'm like, yeah, no, it's my character, you know, but it's just one of those things of like, I feel like that has been lacking. I feel like a lot of stuff is hurry up and get through. Um, I also feel like a lot of their stuff wasn't high end, you know, we're done playing by level 12 and I wanted something that, um, something I could sit in and play for a while. And a lot of that has to do with watching just some of the the world building of even like critical role. Um, They don't stay low level forever. They grow up, they tell a huge story, it ramps up, it builds, and they get into some high-end stuff that's really cool. Petering out at level 12 and going on, when I feel like you're kind of just starting to get into the power level, you're just starting to get into your own as a character, you finally got a few magical items that do some things that really kind of add and enhance your character and the campaign's over. So when I saw that it was a high-level campaign, uh, one with tons of detail where you could be from a place that, you know, has all those details for me it was something that filled a the gap of what I feel like I've been missing in uh what I was getting from Forgotten Realms and that's just a high level play with a lot of detail um versus in a city. I mean, some of my favorite campaigns have been in the city. Uh, I've enjoyed Waterdeep. We made that place feel alive. Um, the characters, not necessarily, the, the story was a little bit weird, but when we've done different things with Adventure League and they're dealing with the cities, those have been good. Like some of the murder mysteries and the doppelgangers and, and that stuff that we played through was fantastic when we were dealing with the demon invasion. Uh, when we went down to Cholt, I enjoyed it being in the town and, and the raptor races or whatever that we did there. Uh, I enjoy the city's feeling alive because it gives you something to maybe want to go home to at the end of the day. Like, let's get back to town. We were going to go see some people. You know, it helps the world feel alive. Being out in the middle of a jungle with not knowing anything and everything's trying to kill you. Like there's a sense of survival and that's kind of scary, but I don't know. It's the people in the world that make it kind of interesting. And I think we find different ways of making little bonds with them, even even when we did the uh, the northern campaign with the the Iceland, uh, I had more fun having the kobolds and our caravan and going between the cities, delivering goods and working as that kind of stuff than I did a lot of the mystery and the and the spectacle stuff because it was like I don't know making people's lives better or helping out or carving your niche and becoming useful in a society is 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 a struggle if you're a, a creature on the run and so. Anyway, it filled a lot of gaps for me. I liked it. It hit home for what I was looking for. It's a classic. Uh, It is kind of the the old tome of what started 3.5, and I love that system. I love that world. It influenced my life. And so nostalgia kicked in. I went for it, and then it filled in a lot of gaps of what I was missing in the modern era. So there's my 25-yard view and 55 cents instead of 2 cents.
0: Zach, what about you? I mean, as someone who did not back the Kickstarter, but you've had the, the luxury of being able to sort through it and look it over, um, w- would this be a book that you'd be willing
2: to spend $150 on? I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to cop out. I honestly don't know. Um, I think it's, I, I honestly think it's one thing to spend 20 bucks on Morkborg. It's one thing to spend even, even $50 on Waterdeep Dragon Heist, which you shouldn't do. It, is, it really is another thing to spend $150 on this, on this book. Um, and right now, you might not get it for a while. Very true. That said, PDF doesn't cost $150. If this is something that you're really interested I think having the book, the tome, it's huge. But there's something to be said about that. I do like having books. I like my signed books. And if you're interested in that, $150, that's not so bad. But if you just wanted to play in Tolles, I think a PDF is a better way.
0: No, I think right. you're probably right. But I, I'm, I'm like you, and I know Nolan's very similar in the same way until he has to move. We, I think we all like books, right? Yeah. It is, books are there's something about holding that book and flipping through it. And I think you absolutely get the weight pun intended of Tolis, when you see how massive that book is, mm-hmm. and then you start flipping through it, there's, you just don't get the gravity of it when you're flipping through a PDF huh. as well as you do with like a great example. You know, we're talking about, I, uh, the wheel of time books right now. Um, I've kind of decided I want to try to collect all the original, uh, mm-hmm. hardbacks in original art doesn't yeah. necessarily mean first editions, but hardback and original art. Uh, and I'm reading Eye of the world on my Kindle, right. Or on my, uh, iPad right now. And I have a couple of the other books sitting next to it. And it's it's a different feel when you look at the books and you realize they're you know, this thick compared to your tiny little iPad as
2: you're flipping through the page. There's
0: there's something about it. And I I do this
2: for a living.
0: All yes, research
2: has shown that reading on a screen is so much more difficult and so much more of a hassle than reading with a book in your hand. Whatever well, it is, maybe it's because of how kids learn to read. Maybe it's because being able to flip back and forth and keep notes in your book is easier. But all the research pretty much shows reading with a book is easier and people like it more. I will tell you,
0: as my eyes age and I get older, the screen is a lot easier for me to read right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is also, that is a factor. I need new glasses and that could be why, but... (laughs) It is, it's different. And not that I'm saying that we... Don't offer like ebooks. That's a huge thing of what libraries offer now, along with audiobooks. But yeah, it's having the book with you is a little it hits different. It does. Absolutely. And but it's 150 bucks, and that might be out it is. That might be outside of your price range. What if you're mm-hmm. like, what if a teenagers listen to this right now? They're like, "Hey, I know that working at Safeway you get 150 bucks a week. You want to spend you're going to work six days? For a book, that's right. hard. I have the disposable income. I'll buy this thing twice, but not everyone <laughs> does. That's awesome, Zach.
0: So I, I will say, you know, and, and and I'm not trying to wrap this up because we are gonna talk more about this next week and, and maybe we should just stop where we're while we're ahead. I, I think it's worth $150. I really do. Just just flipping through the PDF and looking it over and I've purchased the player's handbook, even though Nolan had bought enough for everybody. I was like, well, I just kind of want to have an extra one, too, because what if we play here multiple times or we bring in other players or or things like that? It'd be nice to have that extra one. I think it's worth one hundred and fifty dollars. I really do. I, but again, it goes back to, I like books. Uh, I don't know if you get, if you purchase the the book, if you get a PDF as well, I, I have no idea. Uh, Nolan was fortunate that he backed the the Kickstarter. So he gets both and lots of other stuff as well. But yeah, I really think they hit a home run with this, with this whole thing. You know, the idea of bringing it forward to Cypher and to 5e and, and putting it out there for people. What a, what a great thing, because I do think Wizards of the Coast is kind of not putting out the best products right now. And and I know we've been critical of D&D before, and it's nice to know that we have other things to play in.
1: I think as a table, too, I mean, again, you don't necessarily need the tome, right? And so if, if it was one of those things where you could get the player's guide PDF and you download it, everybody's good to go there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got more than three Wizards of the Coast books in this, you know, so if you were going to do Waterdeep and uh, Descent in Avernus and uh, Storm King's Thunder, right? I mean, if you were going to pick those up, you would be at $150 uh, and you'd have three separate adventures. Uh, here you have a world and could tell an infinite number of adventures, but it would also take a comment from your team, right? The nice thing is, is guys, we're going to play in Tolis. Is everybody cool with that? And and everybody's like, yeah, it's not my jam. You know, then don't do it. But everybody's like, yeah, I I like cityscapes. And if we don't like it, we can go down the spire or down in the underground. We can go up into the spires. We can do whatever and you'll get tired of it. Perfect. Your guys' heroes retire. Uh, Move on. Let's create some new characters. And we can not do as much of XYZ and we can do more of ABC. And you have this tome forever to tell a story. It's not, well, we did, you know, Avernus and that story's over. Do you guys want to run it back? You know what happens. You know how to fix yeah. it. You know what happens. Like, you know, so he, I, I like those type of things. And I say that with uh, the idea too of like, um, the, the critical role stuff. I like world tomes. I just think it is because I find so much value in it. Of Here's the world. It's this big. Here's the stories that you can tell up in your mind. And you can snag a couple of things to kind of get you jump started so you can kind of get a feel for the world. But this is a giant book of a world that you could play in and be no different than playing in Forgotten Realms. So it's kind of like buying the PHB, the DMG, and the, the monster manual, yep. right? Once you get started, you're good to go. And that's how I feel with Tolis. It has all the stuff in it. Once you get going, once you get it, tell
0: your story. You got a yeah. world here. Go nuts. And if you've already bought a bunch of D&D books, guess what? It's 5e. So you can grab that monster manual and the DM's guide in the player's handbook and still use those as well as your tallest book and, and still tell an amazing story. Because that's what it's all about, right? Telling an amazing story and having fun. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Or, Hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> or just killing monsters. And having fun? Eh. I mean, having fun is probably the key not, thing, right? As long as you're
2: having fun. But yeah, I think nice. it's probably worth it.
1: No. And, and again, as we as we talk about organizations, I think organizations like ends uh page like one thirty five. It's a I mean we you know, we're the a cities is two hundred and fifty yeah, pages. We're one
2: sixth through the book.
1: The entire tail end of uh, the 600s of this book end up talking about like spells and monsters that you're going to run into in this world. There's going to be a whole list of magical items that you've probably never seen before. Um, And again, there are tolus only spells. Uh, And they're super common. I mean, I think that's another thing about it. I like high magic. I'm used to 3.5 almost everything was magical. It was like we've when you got to the plus five shocking, bursting, you know, vorpal sword, you were like, we finally made it. Now it's like, it's plus two? Are you serious? Oh, it's to hit and damage. There's no fluff. There's no flavor. So I like magical items. They've got pages of it. And I do mean pages. So Natural pages. T- Technology is in there. Chaos tech is in there. Monsters are, I mean, really it's it's kind of a again one-stop spot you want to be in tolus you can do it you can take any game any monster you can probably convert it over there's an excuse for it to be there have a good story let's figure it out the demons messed up and accidentally summoned you from wherever the hell you're from guess what here you are
0: yeah and it's got todd lockwood art all through it which is amazing
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's 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 a huge book i think there's a huge value in it 700 some odd pages
0: is is pretty good value. Yep. I feel if you like that sort of thing. Yep. So we'll do a wrap up next week. We'll go more into detail about what we're, our, our final thoughts are and things like that next week. And then we'll look at what we're going to be doing next. I'm not sure what it is going to be yet, but we'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, we'll just go from there. So that's going to be it for this week, guys, unless you have any final thoughts, stay healthy, stay safe, stay healthy, stay safe. All right, everybody, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.